Hello, everyone. This is Kelsey Bowler filling in for Beverly Hallberg over the next couple weeks while Beverly's off getting married and enjoying some much-deserved time off on her honeymoon. Huge congratulations to Beverly. She Thinks is a podcast from Independent Women's Forum where we talk with women and sometimes men about the policy issues that impact you and the people you care about most. Today, we are joined by Claudia Rosette, Senior Foreign Policy Fellow at Independent Women's Forum to discuss President Biden's botched Afghanistan withdrawal. Among Claudia's previous roles, she served as the editorial page editor of the Asian Wall Street Journal and bureau chief for the Wall Street Journal in Moscow. Claudia is the author of a newly published policy focus on Afghanistan in which she writes, quote, America's humiliation in Afghanistan sends a dangerous signal of weakness and bad faith to the world. The ramifications are huge and grim, discouraging to our allies and emboldening to our enemies. So today on this week's edition of She Thinks, we'll get into these ramifications and how, as a country, we can perhaps think about regaining some of the credibility that we just lost. Claudia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for that introduction. Before we get into what happened over the last few weeks and months, I think it's important to briefly establish the backdrop here. It's hard to believe that it was 20 years ago that America's war in Afghanistan began. I know 20 years is a lot to cover in just a few minutes, but if you can remind us what led us to this war in Afghanistan and how that war evolved over the years. Sure. Uh, The immediate trigger, if you like, uh, was the were the terrorist attacks on the United States on September 11, 2001, which were clearly, it was very quickly clear that these came from al-Qaeda. And what the U.S. already knew was that the founder or leader of al-Qaeda was being hosted in Afghanistan by the then Taliban regime. The Taliban, who have just retaken power in Afghanistan, were in power then. And they were giving bin Laden a haven, a harbor, and hosting his terrorist training camps. And that is the place from which these attacks basically were sort of conceived and choreographed. Uh, and in a matter of weeks, President Bush led, sent U.S. troops into Afghanistan. They basically became, as sort of evolved as it went, but a NATO mission. Uh, NATO, American allies, plus partners, in from, you know, ranging from the British were major partners in this to South Korea, the Australians, countries that aren't necessarily in NATO, but partner with it, basically allies. And they very quickly toppled the Taliban and began what turned into a 10-year hunt for bin Laden, who was finally tracked down in Pakistan and killed by SEAL Team 6 10 years later in 2011. But that's what began America's military involvement in Afghanistan. And uh, it was really a terrible blow against the United States. And it's something that we need to keep in mind if it seems now like, oh, that was manageable. At the time, that wasn't how it felt at all. Absolutely. And President Biden's choice of the deadline to withdraw uh, appeared to be driven 
chiefly by optics. Uh, reportedly, he picked uh, September 11th to have American troops fully withdrawn so that he could mark the 20th anniversary of al-Qaeda's attacks on America by announcing that the war in Afghanistan was over. Now, uh, I think very appropriately, President Biden decided to not make that big speech he perhaps anticipated being able to make, given how everything um, played out. But there's one detail about this withdrawal I hadn't actually read uh, prior to going through your policy focus, and that is in early July, the U.S. military departed from its main base at Bagram Airfield in the dead of night and without notifying the Afghans, according to the BBC. So a, a lot of us only began to like pay close attention to the withdrawal when things got really bad. But how did it begin and, and, it, and how did we betray our allies in that process? Okay, it's there's a valid debate over should the U.S. have remained in Afghanistan longer or not, and how long. Uh, but I think the manner in which President Biden withdrew uh, was atrocious, no matter how you come at it, whether it was the right it's right for America to get out or not. I actually think it would have been worth keeping a residual force. That, you know, he he gave us a choice of extremes: either you have endless troops in there forever, or you take them all out by my deadline. The deadline he gave was initially was just crazy. September 11th, that was a day of rejoicing for Al-Qaeda and the Taliban when they hit New York and saw people jumping to their deaths from burning buildings uh, and that plane crashing in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, and the Pentagon on fire, and that the president of the United States, Joe Biden, would pick the 20th anniversary of that as his deadline for America pulling its military out of Afghanistan was very badly thought out because it would be another reason for the Taliban and Al-Qaeda to celebrate. Um, but uh, the, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. You were asking me about Bagram on what it is that Biden should have done, President Biden should have done differently if he was going to withdraw. Bagram was a really crucial air base, is crucial air base. It was actually built by the Soviets when they invaded Afghanistan. The U.S. took it over. And it was vital for air support for operations of the Afghan military, of our own. Uh, it was a base in Central Asia where China increasingly is trying to spread its influence. And the accounts that came out of there were just incredible. I mentioned, I cited the BBC, but there were many accounts of this. Apparently, the Americans just left in the middle of the night, and shortly after that, the electricity went off. Uh, the place was looted. Thousands of Taliban prisoners who had been kept in a prison on the base were let loose by the Taliban the following month. Uh, it was just a disaster, and it was the place, Bagram Air Base, would have been the logical place if there was going to be an evacuation to use, unlike the, unlike the Kabul Commercial Airport, which is what the U.S. was left with. Bagram has more than one runway. It has a big area inside. It has tremendous facilities. It's a place that would have been very useful. And if President Biden or any other U.S. president wants to keep a base, a military base in Central Asia, there it was. We had it. And he just had them walk away. And it was really at that point that the Afghan army began to disintegrate because what they read into that was, America just wasn't there for them anymore, didn't have their backs. 
And it was in the weeks that followed that they began, the Taliban began rapidly rolling across Afghanistan. And then that sort of acceleration in August leading up to the capture of Kabul on August 15th, where the provincial capitals just began falling at speed. So leaving Bagram was, I think, a bad decision to begin with. That's something the U.S. should have found a way to keep. And the way in which President Biden and his team ordered the military out was just atrocious, inexcusable. It was terrible folly, and we'll pay for it. Yes, and I am going to follow up on uh, the repercussions of that decision uh, to abandon the Bagram airport and also enable uh, the mass release of a bunch of uh, prisoners there and and what followed that in just a moment. But first, I want to uh, talk about the human cost of this withdrawal, specifically to all the Afghans who had placed their trust in America uh, over the past 20 years, and also uh, the immense cost, strategic cost to America's credibility and, and power. Um, why, <laughs> thinking of these two themes and, and, and what happened there, why should Americans care? I mean, at the end of the day, I think we have to be honest that we can't be the world's police. No, that's absolutely right. We can't be the, we can't be everywhere. If we don't have the resources, it wouldn't work anyway. Um, but policing often comes down to dealing with problems at the margin, okay? Bad actors at the margin. You know, you don't police every second of everyone's life. You go after the killers. And in this case, I think President Biden was making a whole series of statements that just didn't add up. When he said he was arguing as he tried to justify this withdrawal as our troops were frantically trying to get people out through the Kabul airport, that, well, you know, Osama bin Laden happened to be in Afghanistan, and if he'd been somewhere else, would we have gone there? Well, he didn't just happen to be in Afghanistan. Uh, Afghanistan has a location that makes it a natural place, a very rugged mountain terrain. It's a pivotal part of Central Asia, between Europe and Asia, basically. That's sort of the corridor. And uh, it's the place where bin Laden had actually spent time during the Soviet occupation in the 80s because he went to fight with what were then called the Mujahideen. There's a long history here of what sort of led to the Taliban. And it was an accident. And in other words, there's sort of deep roots to why it was such a problem, why al-Qaeda picked Afghanistan at that point as a base, why it mattered that we made it really hard for them to operate out of there because we sent our military in. And what's happened, it's been a lot of criticism of America's attempts at so-called nation building in Afghanistan, trying to stand up democratic institutions, which is extremely hard to do in a society that hasn't had, you know, democracy as we understand it. Um, but there were a lot of things with, that can take a long time. It can take generations to really change things. Um, but there were some changes that were big and important and I think well worth doing. They spoke volumes to the world and they did keep us safer for 20 years. And part of that was encouraging women in Afghanistan who had just been brutalized, you know, basically completely marginalized, sidelined, shunned, uh, kept at home, executed for going against any of the 
Islamic law as the Taliban imposed it, women in Afghanistan who began to sort of stand up for their rights. And a good thing, I think, a useful message to the world, something I believe they were glad the U.S. was helping them with. And uh, this has just been a complete betrayal. They're now looking at Taliban rule. They were out there. Their names are known. Um, Anyone who stood up, said, yes, I want to join these democratic values, I want a piece of it, is now at huge risk. It's not only women, but women in particular, because the Taliban just won't tolerate that. Uh, And as well, who worked with the U.S. or our allies or stood up in any way for real democracy, real freedom in Afghanistan. And this was all just left. Uh, And I would add, this is, in a moral sense, this is bad. When you betray people, you ask people to trust you. You tell them you're there, you want to help, and then you just leave them, as President Biden did, completely in the lurch, with the Taliban in charge of the whole country, as the U.S., gets out of there, runs, shuts down its embassy, leaves, does nothing to fight back, basically makes a desperate run for the exits. Well, strategically, that's not a good spot to be in because you may need people in other countries to trust you, to help you, to interpret for you, to support you, to rally to you, to fight for you. And people looking at what just happened in Afghanistan are going to be a lot more reluctant to do that. They're going to have a lot of questions. Can I trust the United States? A good question after what we just saw. That's the unfortunate fallout. I mean, betrayal is something people remember. And we need allies, especially in parts of the world where China is making big moves right now, and that applies to Central Asia. Uh, It's just become much harder. Right. It's very sad uh, that personally, uh, at times, watching what our president has done in Afghanistan, I I don't feel proud to be an an American. I I feel we have betrayed our allies there and specifically betrayed the women. And and sometimes, you know, when I use my voice or platform to speak up for those women, I have critics say, well, you know, women in, in other countries like Yemen are facing the same or similar human rights abuses why is this any different? And the big difference is, is that we were in Afghanistan for 20 years building this trust, telling these men and women that we have their backs, that there is a better life and, and empowering them with the means to pursue that. And it's like we left without even giving them a fighting chance. We left them so vulnerable to the Taliban. And and I want to circle back to that um, and and talk about these over-the-horizon counterterrorism capabilities that we now hear the Biden administration tout. Um, As we tragically just saw, those capabilities are far less superior to having eyes and ears and boots on the ground. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, Claudia, but a prisoner who, uh, it was a prisoner who was uh, reportedly freed from the Bagram prison who set off that suicide bomb that killed 13 American troops and um, dozens of Afghans. And it was after that, um, which led President Biden to launch this retaliatory strike um, against what he and and the administration thought was an ISIS-K target 
but tragically turned out to be a humanitarian aid worker, uh, his, his, uh, another man, and seven children. It's a horrifying account. You know, of course, these tragedies happen in war. But what makes this so horrifying to me was that this entire mistake, this entire situation between the American troops we lost and these seven children who died at the hands of American decision making feel completely avoidable. And, and worse, I fear that this is going to happen more because now all we are left with in Afghanistan are these quote-unquote over-the-horizon counterterrorism capabilities. Is that something you fear as well? Of course. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Look, when the U.S. spent 20 years in there, there was on the humanitarian aid side, there was plenty of waste and corruption and, frankly, idiotic projects at times. There were also some very good ones. It was a mix. But one thing that certainly happened was America, and this was a good thing, was America had a chance to build networks. Our allies had a chance to build networks. I mean, everybody's talking about interpreters, but it wasn't just interpreting that was going on. Um, this is, you need to know what's happening on the ground. You need to know who's doing what, why it matters, who's who. And that's the kind of network that was built up there. That's the network or the networks that have just been destroyed with the precipitous manner in which President Biden pulled out American troops, walked out of Bagram Airfield, and basically turned an American withdrawal into a complete rout. And this is, on several levels, this is a terrible thing. There's the immediate thing, as you say, of you don't want the U.S. military killing children or aid workers, which is what happened with that drone strike that was supposed to be an ISIS against an ISIS Horizon terrorist, but wasn't. Um, that's wrong. And that's not a good thing. That's not going to endear the United States to anybody. Um, the second, including America, Americans don't like that. Okay. I think Americans like being <laughs> proud of our country. And I would like to hear that we're very good at killing terrorists and we're not killing children. I lay this at the door of the Biden administration. But the other thing is, uh, it matters to know if you want to actually make sure that more terrorist strikes against the U.S. or our allies do not come out of Afghanistan. You need those networks. You need information. And what we just saw, it was a classic case of uh, the administration putting out there really just propaganda. We have this great over-the-horizon capability they were promising. It doesn't matter that we've lost our bases in Afghanistan. It doesn't matter that we've been, I mean, the U.S. was run out of town. This wasn't a matter of we just lost and we left an airfield. We ran down the flag over the U.S. Embassy. We ran to the airport. We had military evacuation flights going for something roughly two weeks, getting out a lot of people where we're still trying to figure out who exactly got out. And there's, it, it, this is just what was there that gave us intelligence on the ground. It's just in ruins. And while... Secretary of State Tony Blinken and President Joe Biden have been touting, well, that's okay, we can do this from a distance over the horizon. We just saw what that can mean. And what we saw was the Biden administration bragging that they had conducted a righteous strike against ISIS-K, this terrorist group, 
And then it turns out, oh, no, they killed an Afghan aid worker and seven children and a few other people who were not terrorists. They were carrying water in their car. That's the problem with over-the-horizon capabilities. And while mistakes take place in war, this kind of thing, very bad message to send the world again. Finally, if you're actually trying to stop terrorist attacks, it's not a good sign that you can't even tell the difference with this over-the-horizon capability or that it's so politically driven because the Biden administration wanted to show that they'd done something uh, between a real terrorist with explosives in his car and an Afghan aid worker with water and children. Uh, you're not protecting America either when you don't make that distinction or can't make that distinction. So this is just a chilling story in every dimension and a very bad sign. Um, we need we, over the horizon is nice, but it doesn't begin to compare to actually having real intelligence on the ground. Absolutely. Well, I hate to end the podcast on this disheartening note, but I sadly uh, believe that's where we are at this current moment. Of course, we are America. We uh, can and should and will be better than this. Uh, but I think it's clear mistakes were made and you did an excellent job laying out many of those mistakes in your new September policy focus which is available on IWF.org. It is called Debacle in Afghanistan, again, by Claudia Rosette, our senior foreign policy fellow. Claudia, uh, personally, to me, you are one of my most trusted foreign policy experts. I am so grateful for any time I get to hear your insights and specifically for the opportunity to share them with all of our listeners on She Thinks. So thank you so much for joining us. We hope you take away something from today's conversation. And if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks or liked the podcast in general, we would love it if you could take a moment to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. This helps ensure our message reaches as many Americans as possible. Share this episode and let your friends know they can find more She Thinks episodes on iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, and all their favorite podcast apps. This is Kelsey Bowler signing off on another edition of She Thinks.